Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Ford. We're going to talk about free speech today. It's been an issue locally with the uh, Dakota Access protest. It's been an issue just recently nationally with uh, some of President-elect's uh, Trump's comments about flag burning, uh, which my position on that, I don't like it, but I think the First Amendment protects it. I don't condone it, but I, that's our test of free speech is whether or not we're going to tolerate speech which makes us uncomfortable, speech which makes us angry. The First Amendment doesn't exist so that we can sit around and talk about easy stuff like the weather or football. It exists so that we can it can protect uh, tough speech, speech that makes you angry. Uh, but the t- sort of speech or I, I, I guess the, the area of speech that we're going to talk about today is, is free speech on campus. My guest is NDSU Professor Clay Rutledge. If you want to uh, join the program, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. What occasioned this in, in the uh, Grand Forks Herald today, there's an editorial about uh, a, a situation where uh, a professor at, at the University of North Dakota was put on, I, I guess, a sort of online watch list. Um, I got a post about it at sayanythingblog.com. I'm not going to say the URL on the on the air. I'm sure you can find it if you really want to, but I don't really want to give them any um, any notoriety. But the, I, I, basically, this this website is is a sort of database where people can list uh, professors who are, I, I guess, bringing their their left wing politics in into the classroom. And uh, on one hand, the the, the Herald editorial condemns the website and and label you know it's it's unhelpful and I, I agree with that I, I don't I don't think that that sort of thing is unhelpful but I, I I think that people would would build such a website and and participate in it is indicative of, of a real problem that we shouldn't be sweeping under the rug and I know that that clay has written extensively about this topic which is why I wanted to have him on uh, today to talk about it if you want to join 701 Eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine is the toll free number. You can email me talk at wday dot com. Um, Clay, first of all, I mean, what, what what did you make? I mean, when I'm, I'm sure you saw the story, what did you make of this website where they're, they're sort of creating watch lists for professors? Like you, I don't think it's a helpful or good idea. I mean, I I guess it's yet to be seen what kind of impact if if any, it has. But when I saw it, my first reaction was, I mean, this is essentially create, you know, creating the same chilling effect on, on speech that a lot of people, including myself, have, have complained about at universities, on, you know, more on the left side, which is, you know, people are going to be, professors are, you know, are potentially going to be afraid to speak their mind or to address certain topics because they'll just say to themselves, well, why bother if I'm just going to get harassed? And, you know, this was one of my complaints about, you know, some of the efforts universities, um, not not locally, I don't, you know, fortunately, I don't think we've really seen a lot of evidence locally, but nationally, this trend towards universities to have more restrictive speech codes and more restrictive policies and cultural norms like trigger warnings and safe spaces that promise some kind of protection from controversial or emotionally charged ideas. And this just seems like a, you know, kind of adding fuel to that 
buyer. 701-293-9000 if you want to join the program, 888-970-9329. I, I thought the same thing. When, when, I, when I heard about it, on one hand, I thought, well, what a stupid idea. Um, I, I don't think we need to scare people. I don't think we need to intimidate people. I, I think that's wrong. But on, on the other hand, it, it's a reaction, I think, to the way conservatives or libertarians or, or right-of-center thinkers, if that's a broad enough term for it, are sometimes treated on campus, which is to say that conservative speakers are routinely uh, pushed off campus. Um, if, if they do speak on campus, they're often harassed. I, you know, there's all sorts of YouTube videos from campuses across the nation where somebody from the right of center, you know, be it a, a Republican or a conservative thinker or an author or a columnist or what have you, is trying to deliver a speech on campus, and they're just they're they're shouted down. Um, as a matter of fact, just this morning I was listening to the Adam Carolla prod podcast, and he and uh, conservative uh, radio host Dennis Prager were supposed to give a, a uh, some sort of hold some sort of an event at a university in California, and it was actually canceled because of the university's excuse was because they were concerned about security. Um, now, I mean, presidents and, and people like that speak on college campuses all the time, and it seems like security is taken care of. But all of a sudden, a conservative comes on, and, and you know, the college is worried about, about security. And, and, I mean, that reality, I, I, I think, where, I mean, in this day and age, and, and I don't know that it's necessarily true here in North Dakota, but in the aggregate, I don't know that, that conservatives feel very safe or, or feel like they could speak their minds on campus without fear of retaliation because we get news of retaliation for conservative thought or conservative speech on campus, it seems like, at the very least, every week. Yeah, I mean, the the secure, and the, the, the example you gave about security concerns, that's a worrisome trend because that seems to be the new go-to Excuse. I know, for instance, and the uh, conservative columnist Ben Shapiro has experienced this uh, a number of times recently, where um, like DePaul University, I think, banned him from campus, and he was. I think this was just a couple of weeks ago, and when he, you know, he was like, um, "I'm I'm coming anyway," and this uh, conservative student group was bringing him out. And they met him with, you know, armed police. At, you know, they're like, not only you're not speaking, you're not allowed on campus. And so he ended up giving his talk at some location off of the, you know, he still gave his talk, but it was off, off campus. And so that, but this does seem to be an excuse that people are using now. Well, there's there's security concerns, and like you, I'm not, you know, I'm not buying it. A lot of people aren't buying it. Yeah, well, and and that's I mean that's actually there's a term for it uh, because this is something that went before uh, has been adjudicated in in the court system. It's called a heckler's veto, and yeah. and, and where you you suppress speech on the assumption that it's going to incite a riot or or create a situation, and when you develop a policy like that. What you're doing is you're giving those who would respond to speech that they don't like with violence or rioting or vandalism or what have you, some sort of unlawful behavior, um, you're giving them a veto over, over 
the the speech of, of of people that they disagree with. You know, it's it's basically you could silence anybody you want as long as you threaten to, to veto or, or excuse me, threaten to riot or, or threaten to cause problems as a result of their speech. I mean, it's it's a heckler's veto, and it's it has no place in the First Amendment. Now, I, I should add though, I don't think myself or neither myself nor Clay are in favor of. Uh, or, or against people counter demonstrating, right? I mean, if you want to hold, if, if somebody's yeah, yeah, of course, a, a conservative's inside and you want to stand outside and wave signs in the air and chant or hand out pamphlets to people or direct them to a website to, to provide a rebuttal or whatever, that's fine. You know, nothing's wrong with that. I, I think the problem here is where you're actually blocked. You're making it impossible for other people to speak, impossible for other people to peacefully assemble and and communicate with one another. That to me is the problem. But but Clay, how do we fix this on campus? Because to me, it seems like such a widespread problem. How do we get back to where, you know, w- you know, w- we just tell students who are upset if, if a conservative's coming on or a libertarian speaker's coming to campus and students are upset about it? How do we get to a point where we just tell the students, listen, deal with it? You're right. You're just going to have to deal with it. How, how do we get there again? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there is. Uh, you know, uh, like a faster and a, a slower response, you know, a longer response. That, you know, I think we need to do both. Um, the fa- I think the fast response is just to have university administrations just insist on that. I mean, I, I think we saw this with the, was it the University of Chicago that put out, you know, a pretty bold statement to all students that, you know, we don't endorse safe spaces and trigger warnings and you're going to hear controversial ideas and things that make you uncomfortable, and that's just the way it is. Um, I'm a member of uh, an organization called Heterodox Academy, and they came up with a ranking system of universities that you can find on their website that they give them. Um, they, they grade them on you know, the, the, the diversity, you know, not really just viewpoint diversity, but how much the university protects free speech. And, you know, I think University of Chicago got the top ranking or one of the top rankings. And where I did my PhD, University of Missouri got the lowest ranking um, for having the most restrict, some of the most restrictive um, speech regulations. And so I think administrations um, can do that, right? They can set the tone. Um, but I think, you know, the, the longer strategy that I would like to see is that we work hard to increase viewpoint diversity um, in the academy amongst the, the faculty, where we try to attract more and more smart people from all ideological viewpoints to um, be part of, you know, be, be part of the, uh, the professor class. I, you know, could, I want to follow up on that, Clay. Do you, can you hold through the break? Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Clay Rutledge, NDSU professor. We're talking about free speech on campus. Uh, there was a, and it made a lot, it made a lot of headlines as well. It should a, a professor at the University of North Dakota put on a sort of online watch list because of his politics. Uh, he, he's a he's a left wing guy, um, but you know, I really we shouldn't be doing that. Um, we should though be encouraging. All viewpoints to be welcome on campus. More to come straight ahead. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Rob Report, WDAY, 701-293-9000, We're talking about free speech with NDSU professor Clay Rutledge. Uh, Grand Forks Hill, a, a good editorial today uh, about the, these professor watch lists or whatever. There was a, a professor at UND that was put on the list. That's wrong. I don't think that's helpful. But there is a problem with viewpoint diversity on campus. Before we went to the break, uh, Clay said that he'd like to increase viewpoint diversity on campus by, by making sure that the campus is hiring people with, with diverse political viewpoints. And, and Clay, I, when I hear that brought up, I, I agree with the concept, but I think some of the critics of it have a point when they they argue, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to have like a like a political litmus test for hiring people into like your department, the psychology department, or hiring people into the humanities or, or whatever? I mean, how, how do you, how do you do that without like asking people who'd you vote for? I mean, I mean that's I mean that's obviously problematic during a hiring process. Yeah, no, I, I well, I'm definitely not in in favor of any sort of quota system or you know purposeful attempt at social engineering in that way. Um, I guess you know it's that makes it even more nebulous. Is really what I would argue is we just I mean we need to be more open minded and we need to um, you know treat especially the so I should say especially the I think the social sciences there are fields there are disciplines where there are you know a lot of conservatives and there are disciplines where to be honest it probably doesn't matter a whole lot um but the closer you get to social issues so we're talking about the social sciences then your ideology has a potential to have a greater impact on the scholarly work that you do and as it turns out in the social sciences in particular there's very few conservatives and yet if you look around the country at some of the research that the few cons- you know that few conservatives are doing who are in disciplines they're doing excellent they're doing excellent research um, on topics that are very important for social and family life and mental health so you know it's more of a symbolic gesture i guess would would be what i would be arguing for which is to encourage people to not be dissuaded because I think I think what happens is a lot of conservative students just say, well, I, I can't go into sociology or anthropology because those are just, you know, academic arms of the Democratic Party or, you know, they're, they're just socialist enterprises by nature. And I think we need to work against, against that mentality. I, I agree with that. I also think that we could maybe get some administration, and I'm not talking about any administration, and, and like you, I, I don't. I don't perceive this to be much of a problem in North Dakota, but overall, nationally, it would be nice if we got some administrators in who were willing to stand up and say, no, I'm sorry, but this author is going to speak, and you're free to counter-demonstrate, and you're free to offer rebuttals, you're, you're free to hold your own event, but you are not free to go in and, and shout at them or scream at them or harass them or assault them or, or try to get them banned from campus because on campus we're going to welcome everybody in. It seems like that is a very key part that is missing are administrators who are willing to, to sort of stand up to, to people who are, are frankly bullies and, and, and don't want this diversity on campus. I mean, I, I think a lot of it's got to start there with administrators willing to stand up. Am I off base? I think you're 100% correct. And, you know, and I think this is, you know, this is the most direct approach that I, I think that, that universities can take is, you know, to have the fortitude and the courage to say, you know, no, this is, 
you know, you don't have to attend the speaker's event. And like you said, you know, this is an opportunity for for you to, you know, protest or offer a counter event or, you know, whatever you want to do to exercise your, your free speech. But you're right. We, you know, the, the universities need to protect um, the diversity of ideas and viewpoints. And we should know from, any you know, anyone who studies history knows that it's, you know, it's not always the case that the, that the majority view is correct, right? You need you need a marketplace of ideas, and sometimes you need people that you know. If the university is predominantly liberal, and it creates this groupthink mentality, well, they're going to be closed off to ideas that um, might be. Some of them are going to be good. Some of them are going to be bad. But how are you going to know what's good if 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 you're not giving people an opportunity to hear that? And I think a lot of colleges. And a lot of administrators just either don't, either are so biased themselves or just don't want to deal with with the hassle um, or are afraid of, you know, they're afraid of, of threats from, you know, students or faculty or whoever, I don't know, um, that they're just like, the easy solution is just to say no and to ban the speaker. And I'm with you, that's, that's wrong. Yeah. Well, one group on campus, unfortunately, is a lot bigger than the other group. It seems to have a lot more more pull, and they seem to get their way more often. Clay, we're out of time. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's NDSU professor Clay Rutledge. Hey, more coming up straight ahead, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Okay, what? Welcome back, Rob Report, WDAY. You're calling number 701-293-9000, Open phones from here to the end of the show. If you want to, if you want to get in, call in. This uh, this news coming from the Bismarck Tribune right now. I just put it up at sayanythingblog.com as well. Uh, I quote, a National Guardsman patrolling the Dakota Access Pipeline protest was spit on and called a, quote, native killer while walking through his apartment building hallway, according to Bismarck police. The 25-year-old Bismarck man reported that he was wearing his uniform and headed to work when he was approached by a group in his northwest Bismarck building hallway around 7.50 a.m. November 24th. Three people spat on him and called him the name, police said. Uh, Article continues, the man told police uh, that the next day he was headed home from work and spotted an older silver four-door car uh, that appeared to be following him. He drove around several blocks before pulling into the back of the apartment complex where he said the car pulled up behind him. Uh, He says he felt like people were photographing his his vehicle and license plates and suspected they were the same people he met in the hallway. Uh, This this is just unacceptable. And, And at some point... I mean, you want to talk about escalating the situation and everything. At some point, the organizers of the Dakota Access Pipeline protests have got to be held accountable for what they're doing here. I, I mean, they have they have invested so much in this hyperbole about how awful law enforcement is and how awful the state of North Dakota is and, and you know, perpetuating this narrative, which, which, first of all, does not match the facts on the ground. And second of all, is is beginning to egg on 
protesters to to acts like this, which which could get very, very dangerous very, very quickly. Uh, They've got to be, you know, take responsibility for this. And I I guarantee I guarantee you. Right. Because so many in the media have been soft peddling this thing and just gobbling up the narrative that is being spoon fed to them by these professional left wing activists that are organizing this, uh, getting them the 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 heavily produced video Right. I mean, what's I mean, we're supposed to believe that these protests are this like grassroots movement, but yet they've got like professional videographers going around. And within hours after a given riot, all of a sudden, you know, social media is just flooded with all these these heavily photoshopped photos and videos. And I mean, in another context that you really would have to admire the work that they're doing. But it just goes to show you, I mean, this is well funded, heavily coordinated uh, and, and, and really, really frustrating. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Uh, let's see. Jim's on the line. Jim, what's up? Hi, Rob. Yeah, you're talking about this, uh, this list on these professors and stuff? Yeah. Now, from what I understand, that's basically that list is just a, uh, is out there as a warning to students who are, you know, going to be, you know, taking college that, hey, this, this professor does, or, or this class or this professor does not entertain any diversity of thought in, in their classroom. You know, so if you have any type of conservative thinking, just forget about it. You're going to end up failing the course because they won't, you know, that's not what they want to hear. Yeah. And, you know, if you've ever been in any of these English departments like NDSU or UND, anything, they do not accept any diversity of thought or thinking other than the left uh, left-wing ideology. And it is sad, you know. Well, and, and, and my I, I was, is this. Yeah. You go to school, and unfortunately most students only are have, happen to are exposed to, like, the first-year college English that they're required to have, which I still don't know why. But you go to these schools, and I, I thought English was for teaching English, not teaching left-wing ideology. So I don't know how it even fits into those classes, but yet there it is, and it's allowed to exist. You know, so first of all, I'm not disagreeing with you that there is a problem with ideological bias on campus and that it often creeps into the classroom. What I am disagreeing with is the idea that this online database is the right way to go about doing it. Uh, mostly because, I mean, when I looked at the website, I mean, how, how do we know that, that, you know, what's being put on there about these professors is, is factual? Um, that sort of thing could be abused very easily by students who, you know, maybe the, maybe the professor is doing just fine in class. But the student's upset because they got a bad grade or something, so they go and they add their professor to this list. That is a huge problem, and I don't think it's helpful when we're trying to to address or trying to solve or trying to even just talk about a, a real problem, which is the lack of, of thought diversity, the lack of ideological diversity on, on campus. And, and, and not even just the lack of, of the diversity, but even just, just the lack of tolerance for dissenting viewpoints. It's a real problem. It is a national problem. And it, it does, it needs to be at least talked about. It needs to be addressed. And listen, putting people on watch lists, I, I don't think is helpful. I, I don't think it's going to be conducive. I don't think it's useful. In fact, I, I think it's counterproductive because what you're going to do is you're going to put, you're going to put left wing professors on, on these watch lists and you're going to turn a lot of them into martyrs. Right, because they're going to go out. And say, oh, look, I'm on this watch list, and and you're gonna you're gonna make them look sympathetic. 
when you know people who who bring and I'm not I'm not saying that this professor at UND did. I have no idea. Maybe, uh, this, as far as I know, he's a he's a great instructor. I don't know anything about his class, so I'm not saying that this is him. But you know, objective left wing, uh, you know, obnoxious left wing people who who bring their politics into class or right wing people for that matter. Although I. <laughs> That's far less of a problem, I think. Uh, you know, bringing their politics into class, uh, you know, if, if that's a problem, I, I think what you got to do is you got to go to the university administration. If the university administration won't listen, then, you know, you've got to go up the chain, you know, go to the board of higher ed. I mean, it's, it's, if somebody like that is, if their politics are impacting their capacity to be a good instructor and to serve the students and, and, do their job because their job is to serve and educate the students then you know that that is that's a problem that's got to be solved locally i don't think we're going to do that with with national national lists and and like i when i was speaking with clay i think a big part of the problem a big part of the problem is administrators that refuse to stand up for ideological diversity right and i'm i'm not saying that that the administrators have to be conservative or whatever their politics don't matter all they have to be is willing to allow conservative authors to, to come, conservative speakers, conservative thought, conservative, just just something that is outside, you know, the sort of left-wing orthodoxy, just anything that is right of center, they have to be able to allow that on campus without allowing it to be silenced or inhibited or canceled or harassed by a, a sort of mob of, of left-wing academics and students who don't want diverse viewpoints. I, I, it's got to start in the administration. And the administration has got to be willing to protect all viewpoints on campus. And until that happens, you know, all this other stuff's going to be a problem. And I don't, I don't think a professor watch list is going to solve that problem. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. You know, yesterday we had on... Um, you know what? I'll finish that thought. We're uh, Mateel's telling me with the music that I got to go to a break. Mateel's, you're working hard to keep me on schedule today. Uh, well, sometimes I gotta, I gotta <laughs> tighten the reins a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't know this. Mateel's the real boss around here. All right, I'm just, I'm just the schmuck they put on the air. We call you the talent, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can always hear the air quotes as she says that. <laughs> the talent. Uh, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Open phones. Till the end of the show, email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back. Don't go away. news thing has been in the well in the news uh, quite a bit lately and it's it's interesting because I'm starting to see the narrative you know it started right after the the president elect trump you know won the electoral college vote and and thus the election uh you know immediately it was this you know he won because of fake news on facebook or whatever and i i think a lot of it's overblown the quote unquote studies it's based on have a lot of holes in them 
I, I, I would I would explore if, if I were you and, and you're worried about fake news, I would explore some of the claims people are making about it because I, I think it's overblown. But what's interesting is that what's interesting is that um, I see the rhetoric trickling down into other debates and, and in particular with this Dakota access thing, you know, all of a sudden I'm having a lot of the stuff aimed at me. Um, you know, that, that what I do is, is fake news or whatever. And th- that was always my concern when people brought this up is that I knew immediately people were going to start using it as, as an excuse, as a crutch to basically, you know, throw dirt on or, or even, even just excuse themselves from ignoring points of view or, or facts that they don't like. Um, you know, now now we're going to reach a point where, where somebody doing analysis from a conservative perspective or providing a, a, a right of center viewpoint or, or even providing, you know, facts or asking hard questions about, uh, you know, narratives that are promoted by the left are, are going to be branded as fake news. And, and the right, the right's, the right's going to do it, too. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think we should have, you know, pretend that either side necessarily has a monopoly on this sort of thing. Uh, but particularly, you know, post-Trump, I, I think a lot of it's coming from the left, and it's it's very interesting. I mean, it's I mean, right now I'm I'm watching my my Facebook feed, you know, filling up with people who are just you know, you're not credible, you're fake news, blah 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 blah. And you know what's what's funny is that what's 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 funny is that a lot of these people are just upset about the idea that somebody would, would present something that, that doesn't fit into their narrative, that doesn't fit into the way that they want to view the world. And I, I think this feeds into what we were talking about earlier. I mean, a lot of this, I think a lot of this sensibility that these people, they move into the adult world and then they, they think they have a right to, you know, just, just condemn viewpoints they don't like or condemn reports that they don't like. Um, and I think it just, they could just write all that off as fake or, or, you know, before fake, it was everything. Everything was racist or you know motivated by whatever. Um, it's it's really it's really uh, an interesting thing, and I, I I think it's all born of of people who just they struggle they struggle with being challenged, and it's it's such an easier thing. Like it's it's easy for me to be. It's it's easy for people to be to deal with things that they don't like if they could just dismiss them somehow, right? If they could just find some way to claim that it's invalid, then they don't have to think about it. And then they don't have to they don't have to incorporate those facts into the way they see the world. Well, that's it for today. Remember you can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on the Rob Report, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at sayanythingblog.com. The Jay Thomas show. It's coming up next. Don't go away. <laughs> 